lesson today is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Hear now words of our Lord. Then John said to the crowds who came to be baptized by him, You children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. The crowds asked him, what then should we do? And he answered, Whoever has two shirts must share with the one who has none, and whoever has food must do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what should we do? And he replied, Collect no more than you are authorized to collect. And soldiers asked, What about us? What should we do? And he answered, Don't cheat or harass anyone and be satisfied with your pay. The people were filled with expectation and everyone wondered whether John might be the Christ. John replied to them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than me is coming. I'm not worthy to loosen the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The shovel he uses to sift the wheat from the husks is in his hands. He will clean out his threshing area and bring the wheat into his barn. But he will burn the husks with the fire that can't be put out. With many other words, John appealed to them, proclaiming good news to the people. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The last first from Luke's chap gospel appointed for this morning says with many other words that John appealed to the people. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure how appealing it is to be called a snake. I'm also not sure how appealing it is to be told I'm going to be judged in anger. And I'm not sure how appealing it is to be told that an axe is going to chop down the tree of my life. Where do we find joy in these words that appeal to us? I think we find the appeal when we let God shift our perspective so that we can hear what these two Old Testament prophets, John and Isaiah, have to say to us. I think what they offer us is an understanding of the joy that comes from having enough as the Bible understands enough. This morning, beloved, we are aware of, and many of our friends and family members are reeling from the devastation wrought by the tornadoes. How do we find joy in times of natural disaster? John was proclaiming the good news in a time when officials were corrupt and military forces were out of control. 
How do we find joy in the times of social disruption? I think we need to enter into God's perspective. John prophesies God coming into the world in a new way. John the Baptist was acknowledging that God is let loose in this world and Christ is coming. Isaiah promises us that there is salvation, there is hope, there is the presence of God. God's presence will provide us for what we need. We will draw water with joy from the springs of salvation, Isaiah tells us, and water is what we need. Water is what we're offered. We are neither in need of or offered soda pop or champagne, and although my husband would gasp to hear it, coffee. <laughs> we are in need of and offered water. Water is life-giving. Water restores, water cleanses, water soothes. I think there's really truth to what many counselors now are saying that for people who are suffering from depression, that when you can't move yourself out of depression, take a shower, sit in a tub of water, let water surround your body and change how your sensation of the skin feels. Water soothes. The Lord our God provides water. John the baptizer gives instructions on life. He tells them and us to change our hearts, to perceive what is essential. And what is essential is making sure that no one is cheated, that no one is left without the basic necessities of life, and no one is harassed. John was telling his listeners and is telling us that if our sense of power comes from dominating or oppressing others, God insists on equality, respect, kindness. God calls us to be generous with each other for the common good and not to hoard the resources for ourselves. God provides this approach to life for those who make room in the inn of their soul for the birth of the Messiah, the Christ child. Let's remember that Isaiah's promise of water and John's promise of new living aren't necessary because everything is great and wonderful. Neither Israel nor the people in John's time were living joyous, candy-coated lives. Israel was under threat when Isaiah spoke. Foreign powers were demanding tribute. And inside Jerusalem, the king and the court were unsure what to do and where to go. The people were thirsty because the wells of justice were running dry. The wells of security were becoming bitter. The wells of God's word were collapsing, and the people were thirsty. In John's time, Israel was an oppressed colony of an oppressive Roman Empire. Rome took and took and took and encouraged everyone who could to take from anyone they could. Rome took money, population, the people's identity. The people needed a call to new life. Neither Isaiah nor John spoke from a position of abundance, at least not in human terms. Both Isaiah and John brought the light of God's promise, and that light banished the darkness of worlds gone wrong. Beloved, we understand 
how worlds go wrong. On vast social global levels and on direct personal levels, we know about worlds gone wrong. Our Emanuel family has, seen, has had what seems to be more than our share of loss in recent years. We've had to say goodbye to too many of our friends, our coworkers in the fields of the Lord. We have pews that are open and seats in Sunday school classes that are not filled. Our Emanuel family has members struggling with physical health, strained relations, and wanting desperately to return to pre-pandemic living. And so can we hear the promises of Isaiah and John offering us joy, the joy that comes from having enough in this context? And I believe we can. If there is room in the end of our souls for the birth of the Messiah who brings God's promises to fulfillment, we understand the pain of loss the pain of need, because we know, this first, we know first the joy discovered and celebrated in the presence of our families, in the relationships with our friends, in the community of hope and service and salvation that is Emmanuel. Think of Emmanuel as a source of God's light in the world. Light warms us and lets us see truth. Light guides us. And when something gets in the way of light, shadows are created. It's not God's plan for us to suffer. But when suffering happens, the light is temporarily blocked and shadows are created and sorrow is experienced. Shadows and sorrow do not and cannot exist on their own. Shadows and sorrows are interruptions in God's light and brings us joy and celebration and hope and life and laughter. Shadows, or maybe I'll say sorrow and joy, are intertwined and go hand in hand. The reason we experience sorrow is we know the joy of what we've had. There seem to be so many shadows and much sorrow in the world today. And I think that is because too many people have forgotten what is enough. Too many people have forgotten the light that shines when we realize we have enough as the Bible promises enough. I heard a story once. The writers Norman Mailer and Kurt Vonnegut were among those attending an incredibly lavish party on an island off the coast of Maine. And the two authors were speaking and looking around them and Mailer looked around at the lavish estate and all the people dressed in their finery and all the jewels and gems and said, you know, Kurt, this guy could buy and sell you and me multiple times over and never miss the money. And Kurt replied, yeah, but I've got something he'll never have. And Mailer asked, what's that? And Kurt replied, I have enough. Here we find a major part of the Christmas message. Jesus is born in humble conditions, not a royal palace. Salvation is offered through an insignificant group of, on the edge of the empire, not a royal family in the heart of Rome. Angels sing to shepherds, not to royal officials. And light shines by God's grace through all of us 
all of you who know that in God's presence, we have enough. Hear again what John says, whoever has two shirts must share with the one who has none. John doesn't say give away both your shirts or all your clothes. John says recognize that enough is sufficient. John says whoever has food must share with the one who is hungry. John does not say starve yourself to feed another. Recognize that enough is sufficient. My mother-in-law used to always say at the end of a meal, I've had a sufficiency, any more would be a superfluidity. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I can't do that on my own. I can only begin to live that life, to shine that light, if I have borne within the end of my soul the Savior who is Christ the Lord. When that birth occurs, when Christ is at the core of all I am, all I say and all I do, all I hope for, I have enough, and you do too. And then God's light of hope and joy and of renewal and resurrection shines in the world, even when sorrow is still being experienced. The joy is deeper than that. And so here in this Advent season, as we reflect on how much is enough, and what's joy got to do with it? We would do well to remember the words of John Wesley as he neared the end of his life. Best of all, God is with us. Beloved, God is let loose in the world. Let it be so, and let your light shine. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you that you provide for us. We thank you for the blessings of this life, for the friendships, for the relationships, for the love that is shared. We thank you for being the source of all joy in our life. May we open the end of our soul to your presence, Lord, that even as sorrow and sadness is experienced, the joy is deeper than that because you are with us. We thank you, Lord, and we praise your holy name. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.